This is the Cosmic Voice. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cosmic Voice. This is Season 4, Episode 8. I am here with my co-host, Chris Natalini. What is going on, everybody? And I am Mick Michaels. Welcome back, everyone, to another show. Chris, my good man, how are you? I am doing awesome, brother. How are you, sir? I am great. I am fantastic. We had some warm weather today. Spring is right around the corner. When this airs, it it will already be spring. We get it, but it's very exciting. Hoodies and shorts, brother. That is me. That is the weather I beg for. Well, it's it's upon us right now. Now, again, in this area, you know, it's not uncommon to snow in April, maybe beginning of May. We could still get another, you know, couple cold weeks. You never know, but... I'm pushing towards we're 65 and above, and we're going to stay there. So I'm not sure if the groundhog was right, wrong, and different. Am I really <laughs> getting my news and weather forecast from a rodent? No. But when that sun's out and it's by 1 o'clock, it's nice, I'm all for it. Listen, bro, Puxatawney's doing something right. You can't even get a hotel room. You have to book that years in advance to even get there. I know, and he's got so many scratching wins, you can't... I mean, he's definitely doing something better than we are, right? He don't have to do a podcast. Doesn't have to nope, do a podcast. No, he's, he doesn't. He, he, he get, works literally five minutes out of the whole year. Yeah, and then the rest of the year, he's doing commercials for the state. I get it, man. He's, <laughs> I want his agent. That's the guy we need, right? Great. Not getting us on another internet radio program. We need to get on that. Yeah, we do. I'll put on a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> That's right. I, I will, too. I'll do it. And I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. It all works. I'm all about that, bro. That's right. <laughs> I, I hear it. it old... You never see him in the bad weather, right? No. Nope. You never see nope. him he in the He hides bin. in his hole. Yeah, he hides in his hole. And then he, he comes out and he's got, uh, you know, I mean, God, he's got a tuxedo, the whole bit. I don't know. <laughs> he's got a good job. That's the way I look at it. Good job. Thousands of people standing around at 5 in the morning. It's 30 below. I know. They pack in like a week before. Like you said. Bro, it's ridiculous. Listen, now I'm going to be flat out honest. I have always wanted to go. And before I take my last breath, I will be there. I will be there one Groundhog Day. But it's so hard to get there because they literally are booked years in advance. It's crazy. I know. Crazy. And it looks like every year you see it on the news, it looks like it gets bigger and, and bigger. bigger. And I'm yeah. like, it's like, really hard to talk I, talk my wife into standing. I don't know what they're like. What cold. are they offering those people? It's like, again, five minutes to see a rodent. But then what are you doing the other, I don't know, 72 hours? I mean, I guess you're well, eating, drinking. I guess there's yeah. groundhog yeah, there's games. Yeah, like bars and restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of shopping and stuff like that. But still, I mean, the place is packed. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Highland Games for groundhogs, I guess. I don't know. It's working. Listen, they've been doing it for a long time. Somebody's doing yeah, something. Yeah, right? and somebody's making a lot of money. I don't know. 
uh, Groundhog Day, the movie, probably helped it even more as a commercial success. You and I have grown up in Pennsylvania our whole lives, right? We knew yep, about the yep. Groundhog. But when yep, I was yep. a kid, I didn't really know about these little festivals that were going on. So that thing's gotten yeah, me like, too. Since the late nineties, it's gotten big. Oh, yeah, hundred percent for sure. 100%. And then you throw then you throw a good Bill Murray movie in, yeah. and then it just it, yeah, it goes, just goes nuts. So I guess it's hey, listen, like I said, they're doing something right. Uh, oh, if that agent, if Puxitani Phil's agent wants to call Chris or I, uh, please do so. <laughs> My phone is always yeah, open. always on. It's, you could just go to that call. thecosmicvoice.com. <laughs> I will take your call. If I will you're take listening. your call. Any time of day. Doesn't matter. Day or night, 24-7. All right. And like Vince Neal said, on with the show. Uh, oh. Pulling out the Vince Neal. Pulling out nice. the Vince Neal routine. Well, nice. that may nice. be the only singing he does. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> That's for another That's show. That's for another show, guys. <laughs> I may have to edit that one out. Because we're still trying to make friends. Tonight, we're going to talk about following trends or making your own. The path less chosen. So, following trends as an artist, as a band. You know, are you going to follow the trends or are you going to kind of create your own trend? Which a lot of people feel that creating their own trend is a path less chosen by those trying to make it in the music industry. Chris, what do you think, buddy? Give us your skinny on it. In my opinion, I was never one to follow trends in my personal career when it came to music and writing and live performances. But as I've gotten older... I think that I've made adjustments, little tweaks here and there to, I don't want to say fit into a mold because I don't necessarily know if I've ever fit into a mold. I've always been lucky enough to play with super talented people that, you know, unfortunately some of the bands I've been in, we've always been kind of ahead of the game. We've never kind of in the groove. Creating your own trend, I mean, that's just something that I can't even fathom. I, I, you know, like sometimes I, in the days of social media, you know, I'll, I'll, these trends will come up, whether it's the ice bucket challenge or whether it's these dance trends, you know, this big, you know, with, with the success of TikTok now, you know, you see all these trends and I go, I, you know, it's crazy to me that someone started this trend. Like, I don't know if I have that in my head to like sit down and go, I'm going to start a trend. Now, obviously there have been many musical acts in our lifetime that have changed and we've talked about it before that have changed the landscape of the music industry whether you know they they forced the music to go one way or uh you know someone became bigger than life you know so that's always been amazing to me too you know like that two percent that we always talk about the creating a trend i don't know if i'd be able to do that i don't know if i could wrap my head around that but I've never really tried to follow any trend. I guess if you want to say following a trend in a genre of music, maybe even as simple as how I dress. Sure, I guess you could say I was part of a trend. You know, the kind of music I play is very jeans, T-shirt kind of music. And, uh, you know, we all do that. So I, I guess you could consider that to be kind of a trend. But I never set out to start a trend because, like I said, I don't know if I can wrap my head around starting something that's new. That's just amazing to me. You know, when something new hits and we've never experienced before, or it's a different take of something that we currently have. So I don't know, man. I, you know, I like to think that I, I've never been part of a trend or I've never succumbed to doing something because of a trend. But I guess in my career, I've tweaked things to make it more accessible, I guess we could say. Yeah. Well, listen, here's the thing. Let's, if you break this down, I think we're all victim to use a very dramatic word, to trends. I think the world 
revolves around trends. That's outside of the music industry as well, right? We're not dressing like it's 1950 anymore. Right, right. right. Now, I mean, listen, there are right. people that do. They have the retro styles that kind of have never really gone away, but they've always mm-hmm. been, you know, somewhere in there. So yeah. we've all been victim to trends, right? If, you know, you're wearing whatever the fashion is today, you know, you have your beard the way it is because that's not something yes, you would have done yes. 20 years ago or 30 years ago, right. right? Right. But it's following the trends, but you're kind of trendy, right? You're into today. It's also to hide my, it's also to hide my double chin. Well, listen, that, <laughs> that, become, that becomes an accessory. I understand because I got a few of them myself I've been wearing uh, the past number of years and people go well you never oh, i go it's an accessory so to speak you know i'm trying to throw off i'm trying to be a magician and throw the eye off you know what i mean so i know what you're talking about believe me but my point is is i think we're not doing the same thing or wearing the same thing that our parents wore or cars right cars can be trendy it depends on how you do it right if we're all victim to it it's not bad i think for an artist and a musician I think that like when they start following a trend, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that either, if that trend resonates with you, if that's something that you want to do, and sometimes the trend takes off and you were already in it. So, you know what I mean? Like the certain kind of metal music, we'll just use that as an example, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it became popular. It's like, well, yeah, okay, I was already involved in it or I already went that way. Where I think it gets hairy, especially in the music business, is... When you start following the trends and you're just following them in the hopes of scoring something. Now, there's always the people that will follow the trend to do that and do make it. Or they make something of themselves to get some kind of notoriety. But it's short-lived because they are following the trend, right? They're not the person who's pushing the envelope. They're kind of riding the envelope. And so to speak. Well, I think, to, not to interrupt you, but I, a quick thought. I think in what you just said, too, it means a lot when you talk about in the 80s, right? When, you you know, when, when let's just say, when Cinderella hit it big, everybody started looking for the next Cinderella here in Philadelphia, right? Like right. all the label, every, so then everybody became Cinderella. Right. And then there were so many Cinderellas, how many actually didn't make it, right? Same thing with the Seattle sound, you know, when Nirvana hit, then everybody went to Seattle looking for the next Nirvana and or Pearl Jam. And everybody changed that music, right? Even the hair metal bands even started to wear flannels and the big pants. And, and you know, and of course that changed and how many acts, you know, how many bands actually survived that trend, you know, and I'm just kind of building on what you're saying to prove, you know, that you are, that you are correct in, in that thought process. Because back in the day, that's what it was. When one band hit, all the labels went to look for that band somewhere else so they could have the next you know the next big cinderella the next big nirvana whatever and then so you're getting it from both ends you're getting in from industry side who are looking for that particular model and then you have the artist musician band who's trying to build that model create that model turn themselves into that model and then you have all these copycats i think the music industry has always been like that but more so now because Music for a lot of people has become manufactured. With the rise of the digital age and how recording happens and stuff like that, I just recently read something that, like, all, like, I'm going to use metal music. Okay. A good percentage of metal music, this was based in the, in the article as well, all sounds the same because they're all using the same plugins, the same recording techniques, the same mixing techniques, 
the same effects. So all the drums sound the same, the bass sounds the same. Yeah. And it's just, you know, they're using the same kind of concepts with every single... It's like a template. Now, I don't have a problem with templates. It's a good starting point because it saves time, especially if you're doing it and being paid for it, right? You want to save time and, you know, whatever the case may be. However, that's where you start getting, like, again, hair metal... And it wasn't coined that at the time. It was later. Right. Right. It was right. A, and it wound up becoming a catch-all for everybody. And that yeah. wasn't necessarily yeah. the case. The funny thing is, is you brought up, you know, the Seattle sound in the 90s and the alternative and thing. These guys are wearing flannels and corduroys and jeans. And well, prior to hair metal, back in the early 80s, early to mid 80s, that's what I was wearing. That's what you were wearing. Yeah. That's what we were yeah, all wearing. 100%. Right. And that yep. was a carryover from the generation before. Guys that were into hard rock, which became heavy metal, and, you know, some of the other groups. Well, that's the way we looked. You know, and then all of a sudden, the extreme for metal by the late 80s was spandex, makeup, hairspray, you know. And again, you know, we did that too. We were following the trend, the music trend. I mean, with my band Seeker, we didn't have that sound. We just couldn't seem to achieve it because it wasn't in our nature. But we tried to achieve it in a certain look that matched our sound. But, you know, whatever. It's, you know, but hey, listen, I wore spandex. I used a lot of hairspray. Though I didn't need much of it um, because of the way my <laughs> afro was at the time. But Oh, my God. You know, biggest day. Biggest day, right? <laughs> it was like a sun. Yeah. So it was a big boom. <laughs> um, unfortunately, you know, whatever it is now. But sometimes, again, if the trends resonate with you, I don't think there's a problem with it. It's how you no, treat no. it, right? It's like you, everybody yeah. does their own yeah. little thing. Listen, I love Judas Priest, right? And being a Judas Priest-type band has always been my thing. Though I think I may sound like Judas Priest, or people may say that, I know for real, like, there's a big difference between me and Judas Priest. And that's okay. I follow their career as a band and as some of the individuals, like, you know, KK and Glenn and stuff like that. And even Richie nowadays, I mean, because I think he's... I I wasn't hipped on him first, and I said that, you know, because I thought they were trying to be a KK copy. But Richie's come into his own. He's dynamite. You know, I changed my shoes. I, you know, I went back to the Bobos because he wore them, (laughs) the Converse black and whites. I was like, hey, he's wearing them. I'm getting them back. When I was a kid and you wore Converse, they called them Bobos because you didn't have enough money to buy the other sneakers. So, you know what I mean? But then you see how it all... Don't you think you guys kind of, and I hate, you know, I don't want to, I think you guys remind me of very early Judas Priest, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, before Screamer for Vengeance, you know, before they changed to go with the trend, right? I mean, really, it's... it's A British deal, yeah, they made the the, the big switch. They simplified it, Yeah, I think if you listen to super early Priest, you could definitely hear the Corners of Sanctuary influence for sure. Oh, yeah, I would agree. There's definitely that 70s element to... My guitar playing, right? Because I was influenced yeah, yeah. by that time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my brother was from that era, and he was my first real inspiration in terms of guitar and stuff. So there was a lot of that. Who he was inspired by, you know, Tony Iommi. So you're going right, to get, right, you're right. going to get, and it's just trickles. Yeah, you're going to get that progression. So yeah, was that me trying to be either my brother or you know? I mean, you know, listen, I, I, you know, I want to play like KK and play like Glenn, but I realized that, you know, that wasn't necessarily the case, but I aspired to it. And somewhere along the line, only knowing three to five chords, I was able to create my own little style 
that what may have been reminiscent to other styles, other feelings, yeah. other flows. So I think that in terms of following the trend, because whatever was happening at that time was influencing me. That could be looked at as this following trend. But like say when Pantera came out, within a couple years, every metal band in every scene Pantera from yeah. the '90s, right? Cowboys yeah, from Hell, yeah, yeah. not yep. the previous yep. one. No, I didn't. I like them. I, everybody makes fun of them, but I kind of like that high scream and the, you know, I thought they were a oh, great band. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But my point is, is then everybody became a Pantera type sounding yes. band, and you still have that today. Same with that Rob Zombie sound that seemed to carry over, and everybody was was doing that yeah. same thing. And there's yep. bands yep. still doing it today. And I think that you get trapped in almost a vicious circle. Yeah. This is Stephen Pearson from Rat, the Rat Bastard. You're listening to the Cosmic Voice. Now, I think the guys that kind of create the trends, I don't think that they set out to create trends. I think what they're doing is is they're doing what's normal to them. And they just decided, Mm -hmm. hey, I don't care what that person says or what person does or this, that, or the other thing, or what's kind of, sometimes what happens is those people have tunnel vision and somebody likes it and it blows up and they just keep continuing to do what they do. It's when they become a character of themselves that they get lost. And we've seen artists that that's happened too. Like you would say, man, their first couple albums were unbelievable. What happened to them? Right. They sometimes get lost, but then like somebody like Bowie, he just followed his own path all the time. Now, the only time that I think that maybe he kind of went to the trends was in the you know mid '80s when he yeah, yeah he went in. But yeah, again, you know sure. what? He did real well with it. It was like he perfect did. for him he because did. because that second wave of that British invasion of the pop yeah. was really happening, and he already had a name and and he was doing it well. He didn't sound like somebody else. It was like, hey, David Bowie just brought himself into modern times. And he has number oh. one hits. Yeah, a thousand percent. Like, it wasn't like you listened to it and went, this isn't David Bowie. You know, like a lot of guys our age listen to, you know, the middle of Metallica's career. And we go, this isn't our Metallica. You know, listen to David Bowie back in the 80s. You weren't, you know, for fans of the you know 70s era Bowie, you didn't go, oh, this isn't my David Bowie. You were like, oh, like you said, this is Bowie just in the 80s. Like, yeah. He just kind of, you know, and he didn't go that far out of the realm either. He just kind of amped it up a little bit. His look was definitely refined. It fit the times. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what yep. I mean? He got a little, you know, yep. but the quality of his music didn't drop in the process. No, not at all. He just, not right, no, not at all. He just did his thing and that's what, you know, kept him going. And a lot of those classic bands, that's what they did. Especially yeah. some of them who had, a, you know, from the late 60s, early 70s, had that resurgence in the 80s. Like, everybody was trying to make that resurgence. But you had yeah. brought up a point that by the end of the 80s, early 90s, there were so many metal bands, or whatever they were at the time, sounding the same. Like, they were just being signed left and right, yeah. left and yeah. right. You know, some of them kind of had one hit, a kind of a hit, partial hit, you know, whatever the case may be. And then how many of those other bands kind of just disappeared and you can find a lot of those bands on those you know retro labels that are like you yeah. know bringing stuff back from the 80s early mm-hmm. 90s and stuff like that you know and some of them are just they were regional bands that got a little bit of attention yeah right because it became listen it was it was tough the scene was just as tough then as it is now the only difference is there were in my opinion back then there were places to play there was an audience to be had 
where now, yeah. especially after the pandemic, there isn't that many places to play that aren't just bars. And the audience, it's in slim pickings. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it even for national acts anymore. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody's suffering now. Everybody's yeah. suffering. Yeah. And they were suffering yep. before. Now they're suffering some more, you know? Yeah. For me, personally, and I know you, you had said it yourself, like, it's not that you went to try to follow the trends and you weren't trying to set your own trends want to feel as though you're doing your best to be you or do your music or your band's music i feel the exact same way i wouldn't even know how to approach trying to set a trend right i think if you're trying to set a trend you're already missing everything else that's going on and again like we talked about it before again this is just my opinion if you're spending all that time thinking about that what's happening with your music right Listen, there are some success stories, depending on how you measure that level of success. I can't think of the guy's name, but he was a German guy. The producer guy who put Millie Vanilli together, Mm -hmm. right? He was literally following a model that he did in the 70s of the exact same thing, where he was singing and putting this music together, but he knew he didn't have the look. And he didn't. He didn't have the look at the time. He wasn't hipped enough, you know. But he had the chops. He knew exactly what he wanted to achieve. So he hired people to do so. And he created this thing. And then he did it again with Millie Vanilli. You know, I know Millie Vanilli was the one that really took the slam for it. But it's not the first time that it happened, right? right? And it's They just just got busted. Yeah, they got busted. Mm -hmm. A manufactured whatever, because of people trying to follow that trend, has happened all the time. And it's happening today. There's, so, there's so much pop music that comes out that, yeah. again, has this, again, I'm going to use the word manufactured. It already has like a template of sound, a template of, hey, okay, we got to make sure we get this sound in, this keyboard. You know, and again, they did it in the 80s, too. I mean, there were certain yeah. sounds you knew were popular to use. I have to say that a lot of bands that had a name for themselves that made the comeback utilized those trends in the best possible way. Example, case in point, Tina Turner. When she popped back out on the scene, you know, early to mid-80s, she used everything at her disposal that the 80s were offering. Right. Right? But again, now she had a name which helped. She had an audience. But she needed to bring herself to the present and remove herself and people's thinking long-term from her and Ike and that sound. Right. And man, right. and she hit it hard. She just yeah. came through, right? I mean, she brought in writers of the time, current people. You know, I know she worked with Brian Adams, did some duets. The whole bit got her look for that time. I mean, she went from the straight hair to that big poofy hair. I mean, which I thought was awesome. Like she had the best metal hair yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. and it worked for her. Just same thing with Bowie, right? They just used those trends to enhance what they already had. And that's well, the way I think, I think that, trends should be used. Oh, well, 100 percent. You could say you could say the same thing about Bon Jovi too, right? Like he was, you know, obviously he was a huge part of the '80s, but then going into the '90s, even beyond, when country music or country blues or country rock, you know, when country music started to change into that rock pop sound, you know, with Garth Brooks kind of came in and changed the music industry, kind of made country music cool. He went that way. And look at the success he's had with it. You know what I mean? Like he went from, you know, living on a prayer, the big hair, you know, and the spandex and the glitter to kind of like, 
you know, Young Guns, kind of that country blues ride. I mean, he always kind of had it in him. Yeah. But then he really turned it up when, you know, when country music kind of became popular. And I mean, he's built a whole career. And now, you know, then he just changed to more adult contemporary. He, he followed that trend. Yeah, absolutely. They're taking the best of the trends and applying it to the model they have to give them the edge or the staying power or the resurgence. And again, I think that's how trends should be used. The copycat thing, which is, you know, that's a trend in itself. It happens even with inventions, right? As soon as that patent gets to the point where people can then start taking from it, then you'll get all these other companies that produce it and produce it less than the original. You're right. 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 And, you know, it could be lesser quality as well as less costing. But you get all that. All of a sudden you have all these different versions of whatever the original and then the original reemerges with as this is the original type of thing you know what i mean yeah because those people that follow trends like that they're really looking for short term and the quick payday and unfortunately with music that's really hard to achieve though when it is hit it's usually pretty mega and that's why people i think still aspire to that they jump on that trend wagon Rather than taking whatever the trend is or as you can see it. And again, if if you're an active musician and you're paying attention to the scenes and what you're doing and what we're, we talk about here on the show, it's just being aware of what's going on. It doesn't mean that you have to follow suit and jump off the bridge because everybody else is. But you can't turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to it in this case. No. You no. need to be at least aware to some level of what is taking place so that if you're trying to be super obscure, well, then there you go. Then it doesn't matter. But if you yeah. are trying to find your your niche, first of all, to find your niche, you have to know what's happening on the mainstream. What's happening right. on the obscure? Do I work somewhere in between there or not at all? Am I off this spectrum and I got to figure some other spectrum out? Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So I think yeah. that's oh, yeah. where artists should try to put more of their resource in terms of their blood, sweat, and tears, not necessarily say, hey, I'm going to be the next fill-in-the-blank. Say, you know, what's making this person or this product or this sound so unique? And what is it that I like about it? What can I do to my music to create something similar? Otherwise, you're just a copycat, and people will pick up on that. When you're compared to other bands, again, say let's metal bands, and someone says, you know, it's got like a Judas Priest, Man of War, ACDC sound to it. Well, they didn't say sounds just like Judas Priest. To me, though that's a compliment, there's some bummer to that. It's like, oh, man, okay, like it's I'm sounding too much that way. And that may not be what I'm trying to achieve. But if you get a few people or a few acts kind of meshed in there. Oh, it's a little this, little that, little that. That's a unique flavor. Right. And yeah. I think that's yeah. a plus. Because, listen, sometimes you cannot help but be influenced by those that influence you. Oh, God, no. Right? No. And sometimes... You can't stop it. Yeah, it comes out. And there's it no two ways out. about it. And nope. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Because nope. everyone's influenced by someone or something. So that means that's immediately showing some connection. It's showing some lineage, mm-hmm. maybe even some attention to detail in certain kinds of way. But if from start to finish, now listen, I knew 
a lot of guitar players, especially back in the late 80s, these guys sounded like carbon copies of whoever the hot guy was yeah. at the time. You know? Yeah. And yeah. from start to finish, everything they did was pretty much like whatever this other person did. And yeah. their sound, the equipment they bought, their techniques, down to the pick. Though they were phenomenal guitar players, in my opinion, there was no substance. There wasn't any substance. Because a lot of these people could copy stuff. You and I know a lot of people like this. They could copy yeah. things down to a T, man. But they couldn't write their own stuff. Yeah. They could play this intricate thing, but they didn't know how to do it for themselves. Selves, yeah. Yep. And I always looked at it the other way. I'd rather be less of a player, which I am, but I'd rather do it on my own. Do my own stuff and figure it out that way. Like, what sounds best for me that's sustainable? We talked about this before. It's being true to yourself and true to what you do, so it is sustainable. It's not to say that you couldn't do a one-off. Right. If your career allowed that, if you could do that, afford to do that, like so many of established artists have done, like Paul Stanley going off and doing Soul Station. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That could be a one-off. I mean, I know he's had the band for a while, but the album, you know, it was such a big deal last year and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That could be a one-off and that could be the end of it. Or it could be he just keeps evolving it. But what's he really doing? He's just taking the sound that he grew up with, that he loved, that R&B, and putting his twist on it. Mm -hmm. Using the audience that he's built and all that kind of stuff, which is night and day to kiss. Now, would he have done that 20 years ago? 30 years ago? I doubt it. Because right. I don't think it would have been established enough, right? Yeah. As he was, you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. now he's at an age, he's at a point in his career where he, whether it <clears throat> failed or was successful, it didn't matter because it was something he was capable of doing. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. 100%. You know what I mean? And the trend yeah. today with a lot of, of the veteran artists is to go some other route completely different than what you're already known for. One, to get that attention, to get that audience, to branch out into a new audience. And, you know, everybody wants to show their diversity. They wanted to show, you know, I mean, Kiss always talked about the reason that they were told to do the elder was to show the critics and their peers how talented they are. And they'll be the first to tell you that that was a huge folly, right? Because they never worried about it before. But a lot of these artists change gears, in a sense, to do this exact same thing. Yeah. It just depends on you, where you're at in your thinking and your perspective and your confidence level, right? You always hear about that band that goes, ah, oh, we just did this for an experiment. And those experiments, most of the time, fail miserably. <laughs> Not yes. all of them, but most of the time, you know, when a band goes, oh, we tried this different because of whatever. And then it just, wah, wah, just wah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I've, you know, I've also learned being around people long enough, that's kind of like the quick out they give them. That they're like yeah. qualifying it, yeah. like um, yeah. Listen, just in case you don't like it, because we don't either. But yeah, you know, yeah, we were trying something different. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're gonna go back to the old stuff next yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we already started, so don't worry about it. We're <laughs> back to the old stuff. So, you know, it's kind of crazy. You are listening to the Cosmic Voice with your hosts Chris Natalini and Mick Michaels. The little, when I say little, I mean, I'm, I'm putting my fingers so they're actually almost touching, kind of, probably yes, but I can see a little bit of light of success that my band has had. We've always used, and I've said this many times, we've always used 
EPs as a way to experiment with different things. They're kind of right. like training grounds, whether it's different tuning or some different production techniques. Because it's a smaller project, it's a little bit more easy to digest. Economy-wise, of course, right, you can, can kind of control yeah. the finances. And it just breaks things up. For me, I've always said this too, I like albums to be cohesive. From start to finish, there's something that pulls that album together, it binds it, you know, whatever. The EPs have always helped us kind of flesh out some of those things that we would want to do in an album. So I've actually had some success with EPs trying things differently. And I've had some things that people liked and didn't like so much either. I mean, a couple years ago, 2019, we released What We Leave Behind. It was an EP. We took some old songs and redid them or things that were sitting on the deck that we never completed. And then we just kind of revamped them and went a completely different way. And it's kind of like a spacey metal kind of thing. And some people thought it was really cool. And other people, like, they weren't sure what the heck this was. I liked it. It was really cool because it was different. But if you listened right. hard enough and you were follow the band, you could hear it. You could hear the Corners of Sanctuary sound. But that's the chance you take, right? That's yeah. the chance you yeah. have to take. Yeah. But I still felt that I, I wasn't following trends. I was going with what I thought was us being us continuing on the journey. Listen, you've been on road trips, right? You yeah. go on the road, whether it's with your band or family members or friends. You have your start and your destination. And sometimes in between, other things happen. You meet people along the way. You stop at a place you didn't expect. Hey, look, let's right. we're hungry. Let's try this restaurant. And some things are like really cool. Like, wow, that was awesome. I'm glad we had that opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And other things are like, hey, listen, it was okay. It wasn't bad. You know, whatever. Let's get back on the road and get to our destination. Yeah. So yeah. to me, being an artist in a band, I think that's kind of where this road goes and takes us. And we take advantage of whatever's happening at that moment and see... That's what I'm saying. If you're chasing trends, you're going to miss those opportunities. But if you're aware of the trends enough and aware of what you do and you feel confident about that, you can take those things from the trends and apply it as you need it. In some cases, you can actually avoid being dated, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Gives yeah. It always gives yeah. you something new to work on. Because yep. what was old is now new, right? And what's mm -hmm. new becomes old very quickly. There's this yep. constant recycling, bicycling, rebicycling. Listen, you know, Diamond Dave always said, here today, gone later today. Yeah. You ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. <laughs> I guess it all comes down to how you approach it and what you do with it. Trends can be an artist, band, musician's additional set of resources. Because if you are unaware of what's happening, you quickly go to that and you go, okay, I, I see what's happening. Like when Evanescence came out, like all of a sudden the surge oh. of that sound. Yeah. Right? And everybody yeah. wanted to sound yep. like her. Yep. And yep. it just, you know, everybody was saying, like when Jewel came out, then all of a sudden everybody was singing yep. like Jewel. Like, and Adele, mm -hmm. right? Everybody, when she comes out, everybody wanted to sound like Adele. I, I get it. I get it. Because it's hot, it's happening, it's now. Yeah. But remember, that's them being them. Right. Right? At the end right. of the trend, right. Adele's still going to be Adele. And yeah. she's going to continue doing what she does. That's right. Yep. Somebody who's not Adele is not going to be able to sustain being <laughs> Adele. Right. Right? right. So, yeah. you know, it, it's tough to say, you know.
being in a metal band, especially today, there's a tendency that, and you've said it before, especially even in your market with the death metal and stuff, they're a dime a dozen now. And they all yeah. sound, you'll go to a show and there's five bands and they all sound uh, the same. All sound the same. You know, it's kind of like yeah. when metalcore was really huge here in the States, they all had that breakdown. Yeah, yep. And after about sense. the fourth breakdown, you're like, okay, <laughs> can we do so? You know, and they all started having a formula. Went like this, went like, and we all have oh, formulas. Yeah, I get it. We're all, yeah, yeah. we're all guilty yeah. of it. Absolutely. 100%. But sometimes sometimes those guys would, you know, they'd write the breakdown and go, okay, we're going to build a song around this breakdown instead of just letting the song flow and work in a breakdown if it made sense. If it made sense for the song, right. Not actually putting one in because you feel like you have to. Right, because you're trying to check all the boxes. Okay, yep, got exactly. this, got yep. this, got yep. this, got yep. this. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, yep. and I've seen it, and I've watched whole shows, and it's tough, man. It's tough. I, you know, this is probably going to get me into trouble, but the <laughs> professional cover bands that are tribute bands, you go that route because you have an established audience. You have an established set that people are aware of and yeah. will be drawn to. So if you yeah. tweak them a little bit, I think the tribute acts that take those songs and turn them on their heads a little bit, and they do a variety of cover songs, I think that's the plus. I mean, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You're not just doing one, yeah. Yeah. Some of these guys, listen, they're selling out the same venues, larger venues, that the big names are coming in. Like some of these yeah. Queen tribute, you know, and the Zeppelin yeah. stuff. And I get yep. it. I get it. And now, especially now, that things are coming back after the pandemic and the shutdown, a lot more... Of the venues, small and large, are booking multiple nights of tribute acts. Yeah. And it's becoming yeah. everywhere because why? It's guaranteed. 